0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Guardians. We're trying this one a little bit different. I'm trying a stream. We'll see if we get uh, comments, questions throughout. I'm trying to gauge and judge everything correctly, so I hope uh, you know it'll be understanding as we try something new for the first time and see how it goes. But uh, Guardians win again, and the offensive slacks to uh, all of seven runs today after seeing them explode for uh, ten or more runs in three straight games. We have a really fun game to talk about. Owen Miller is going to be the star of today's show, and we'll get to that uh, in a moment. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, I apologize for this from break. I've got like two separate videos going right now. I'm sure this is going to be the shot too that YouTube uh, gives me as one of my previews, because you know, they love when I have like my hands up. Uh for those who don't know, I am Jeff Ellis, the host of On Guardians, as I have been for all near 700 episodes now of the show. Uh before that I was a lead prospect and draft analyst at Scout and 247. Uh, Before that, I wrote at Indians Baseball and even all the way back at Indians Prospect Insider. Basically, if you've read a Cleveland sports blog, I have either written for it, guest written for it, or been mentioned, often due to my prospect and draft writing, draft writing in particular. Uh, Like I said, I wanted to try something new. I got everything set up to do the streaming, so we are trying that on today's show. Uh, If you're watching live, yeah, totally drop a question in chat and I will answer it as we go. Uh, this is me just continuing to mess around with technology and get a little bit better. I do want to thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. Uh, I use Podcastify, I believe, is the one that I am using. Uh, and this will just be my little PSA saying uh, download daily. That really helps our show grow. And uh, subscribe on YouTube. We are at, I think, 130 now subscribers. It's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. I was so resistant, but I'm getting people who have never... You never even knew the show existed before, so that's really fun to see. Uh, I com- I re- respond to every comment on there. And, like, the other fun thing with the YouTube side of it is you do get the visuals. You get to see, you know, my lovely board games in the background, my favorite baseball, board game, baseball highlights, uh, 2045, Fantasy, Fantasy Baseball, which is an orc with a baseball bat. Those are Splendor, which are not baseball-related, but good. And Bottom of the Ninth. Uh, I... I'm Probably need to get a few more baseball games at some point. Uh, maybe I'll, I should put my um, my good old scouting manual up there that you know, someone was asking about uh, recently. So I thought I would I would do a little bit of fun here. Uh, they wanted to hear one of the scouting reports in this. and In order of uh, Stephen Kwan, who went to Oregon State, I thought we'd read Richie Sexton's profile very quickly before we get into the game today. Uh, because he's from Portland, Oregon, which I had not realized before I was looking into my book How many first basemen could hit 30 home runs in AAA yet still be squeezed on both sides? Sexton, for one. He has the slugging Tommy ahead of him and the sweet-singing Casey coming up behind him. A 24th-round pick in 1993, Sexton can hit for power and average, though his hitting has declined as pitchers have learned to exploit his inability to take a walk. He doesn't run much, but he's worked very hard to make himself into an average first baseman. In most organizations, Sexton would be a premier prospect. The Indians like him, but he's third on the depth chart and may wind up as trade fodder. And that was, let's see, he had spent 1997 in Buffalo where he had 31 home runs and 20 doubles, extra base machine, 260 average, 87 strikeouts and 434 at-bats, 27 walks. So I don't know how much I would have liked his profile now, but the strikeouts is not bad. That would have been a good indicator. Uh, Remember, and as we, when I showed this book before, all the scouting reports from my 1998 scout handbook here, Jim Callis wrote those. I had not realized it until much later on. We've got a game to talk about. Let's have some fun with this one because it was a fun one. Uh, the Guardians win this one 7-3. to three, Quite the offensive, uh, continued offensive effort. Now, Stephen Kwan finally struck out. He is indeed human. He didn't get on base three times. Uh, he's now down to a 526 average in a 1392 OPS. You know, we have all gotten into the Stephen Kwan of it because he is literally having the greatest debut of any player in baseball history I mean, there's no other way around it. What he has done is unheard of. So it would be the greatest debut of any hitter in baseball history. I, I don't think that's arguable. I don't think that is something that is up for debate. Uh, but lost in all of that is just how good Jose Ramirez has been. Because Jose Ramirez is hitting all 480 with a higher OPS. By the way, Owen Miller also. Owen Miller has a batting average just two points lower than Kwan's and an OPS 200 points higher I don't know what to make of Owen Miller right now, uh, but again, enjoy this ride. This is really fun when you have, though you know, we're all looking at Quan. We look at Jose. Owen Miller has two home runs today after having two doubles yesterday. I was like, does he lead the team extra base hits after you know, he's had four in the past two days? No, it's still Jose Ramirez by one because Jose Ramirez also had two extra base hits today and has three on the season. All right, so, all of that's happening. How about the fact that Steve Kwan goes 4... Or Steve Kwan. Miles Straw goes 4 for 5 in this one as well. Like, it is a fun team. In the immortal words of uh, our owner, enjoy it. And speaking of ownership, uh, I have felt very thankful uh, over the past few days that uh, that we do have the Dolans as ownership. Did everyone see what the Reds' uh, president said, who's the son of the owner, who's, like, basically... Double down on if you're unhappy. Hey, uh, we could sell the team, or we could move it. Or you're basically saying he threatened to move the team. <laughs> right? Like that's that's such a jerk move. Uh, if this was not a friendly, family friendly podcast, I would say a much harsher word. Like he came off as just a real jerk. <laughs> and like we've been through this as Cleveland Guardians fans. And again, I'll get to the game a little bit more in a second. But I just I had to comment on this how are these owners that dumb right like we saw Dolan make two really boneheaded comments in last year I was like who is not getting in his ear and telling him not to go out and talk about real fans you know buy luxury boxes or who you know where he thinks enjoy it is a a smooth statement it's like the Reds president he doubled down on those statements it's like uh you know it's like who you know him commenting about like you know go good luck finding a new owner it's like the Reds get better support than the Guardians in terms of attendance and ticket sales. They're similar sized markets. The Guardians had no problems finding a very rich owner who wanted to own that team. Like, it's it's just a dumb statement because people love rich, rich, rich people, not people like me. Uh, apparently, you know, a teacher salary is not enough to buy a baseball team. I learned, uh, you know, in the past few weeks. But. You know, this ownership to be like that, like, if you, well, maybe we should move them and then talk about that, you know, make it sound like no one would want to buy them. If the Reds went up for sale, they'd be sold within a year. Like teams, people want to own franchises. It's that's the way of it. It was such a silly statement, such an awful statement. So I just had to take that moment and say, Hey, Cleveland. Uh, we no longer have the worst ownership situation in baseball anymore. I, I mean, it was just such a rich kid, petulant statement from that uh, from the Reds owner. And uh, I guess if you have an issue with me saying that, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. We are going to take our first commercial break here in the show and uh, talk about one of our great sponsors slash friends. And then we are going to come back in and actually dive a little bit more into this game and have some fun discussing... Know, who it is that really stood out it's Owen Miller so Built bar is our sponsor today, and as you know if you listen to the show, I love Built bar not only uh is it something that I hawk, it is something that I buy I had I love the yellow chirps right now that is my vague recommendation go get yellow chirps they are like a uh they're like a peep <laughs> instead they're calling them a chirp maybe peep is copyrighted you learn something but The chirps are delicious. I have two of those at lunch with a churro puff as well. And as I put them all in my little health food app to count my calories and that fun jive, I get A's on both of those. So I get something that's called a churro puff with marshmallows and something that tastes like a peep. And I'm getting A grades because they're so high in protein and so low on all those other negative things. Uh, The newest flavor right now, they brought back blueberry muffin, a solid choice, and blueberry muffin and raspberry cheesecake are currently on sale, as is ruby chocolate. Uh, if you go to BuiltBar.com today, which if you haven't gone, you definitely should. Remember to use the promo code lock 15 I use that as a repeated customer. I'm getting a new box every three months of flavors that I love. I might do another box of yellow chirps before they go because I am loving them. Uh, that is, I may, actually, don't buy the chirps because I want to buy more. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code lock 15 and uh, go buy, you know, Sully, who I talked with this week on the show. His favorite is the Raspberry and the cherry, those are my least favorite, so go buy those. Uh, Sully can be out of luck. Don't don't go for my chirps. I'm kidding. Go get what you want. Builtbar.com. Remember that promo code is locked 15. Writing down my timestamps, save time later. Uh, when you're doing it live, you gotta do things a little bit differently. <laughs> Current concurrent viewership has not been high on this one, so we'll see. Uh, hoping people will drop in so we can have some fun with it. Trying something different. So, this show, this show, this. This is the show. This game, you know, the most of the talk is going to be about the offense and, you know, it makes perfect sense. But Tristan McKenzie, you know, he came out in that first game and he was a little inconsistent. He was up to 94, sat 94, I should say. Four innings, three hits, no walks, six strikeouts. That is the McKenzie that makes him the potential number two on this team. This is the McKenzie who we just want to see consistently. But that is there. And, you know, th- this was a perfect outing. Eli Morgan's been throwing harder, and he went three innings. He did give up one run, uh, on one hit, four strikeouts. You know, he has again been really solid, especially when you're looking at him and like, okay, this is their, uh, this is the guy who is their sixth starter, and he's you know, going out and doing what he has done. It's uh, I believe the one run was the Jake Fraley home uh, home run in this one. Uh, the uh, all I could think of as I was going through and watching highlights, because uh, the game unfortunately happened when I was at work and watching a condensed game, is was I the only other person, as we were watching Owen Miller destroy the ball? And Fraley had a home run today. That That's great. He went one for three, wondering, like, I wonder how much the Reds regret the Winker deal and insisting that to trade, to get Winker, you had to take uh, Suarez. It's like, they could have had Owen Miller, and he apparently really likes that park. <laughs> they could have they could have had Owen Miller doing those things and destroying those baseballs for them uh you know their second base is, and first base is is fairly well set i would say with india and uh vado but it's like you know maybe he could have played third for them but a little bit of a fringy arm there but yeah that did anyone else have that thought process in their head that like man if they had just traded winker to the guardians they could have had owen miller doing that damage for them fairly had a home run but he's not he's not putting up owen miller numbers right now uh, you know, Miller is the story Two home runs, like I said, in this one, after having uh, a pair of doubles the day before he was, he was behind Chang and Bradley to start the year. And now Chang and Bradley are glued to the bench. Uh, you know, Ernie Clement is hit pretty well, uh, in, in the early going, it's going to be hard for Chang to find a spot like Chang and, and especially cause the thing with Chang at this point in time is he doesn't have options. If they decide that they want to keep, you know, Clement up, if they want to keep uh, Miller up, Quan is staying. So when Josh Naylor is healthy, which bat goes, it might be the end of the road for Chang in Cleveland. It's something to be considered. Hiram, don't get, I know you're going to get mad at me. I can already see the tweet storm coming. I appreciate your passion, but just follow me here. Who are they going to send down? I mean, Clement is the primary shortstop backup. They don't really play Chang at short. If they're going with Miller, then I mean, that's, to me, logically, that's where I think they are again. Sorry, Hiram. I know Chang's your boy. And, I mean, he was my boy at one point in time. I, I rated him... <coughs> sorry about that. I rated him top three, top four prospect in the system because I thought he'd be in a league average shortstop with 20, 25 homers and you know, a pretty good walk rate. It just he is the king of spring training so far and it's it's unfortunate uh maybe he had a real opportunity an extended look somewhere else but it just doesn't seem to be coming together in Cleveland so who reached base multiple times in this game i'm going to cough again and this is a live stream so i'm going to move away from the screen so i don't cough <coughs> so i'm <clears throat> trying to preserve uh people who are listening on headphones cuz that would be like the worst thing in the world so but who reached base twice in this one? That's my good old always what I, I kind of go to. Uh, we had a lot of hit batters. So you gotta go look down there. Four across this game in general. Uh, it was actually the only way, way I believe Clement reached in this one. So you had Straw with four hits in a walk. He reached base five out of six opportunities. Jose Ramirez, Owen Miller, and then Austin Hedges. Uh, Hedges still doesn't have a hit. His OPS is 158, which would be awful as a batting average. Uh, but he's uh, he walked twice. That's an improvement. Uh, oof, it's it's ugly down there. Let's just be honest. That is, catcher is this team's number one need, and I would love to have seen San Diego get a whole. You know, I did a whole podcast. You can go back and find it where it's like I would have loved to have seen. There was talk that the Padres were going to go for Gary Sanchez from the Twins, and if they would have gone to get him for the Guardians to try to get Austin Nola, like I would have loved to have figured out a way to bring Nola in. I'm still all for Wilson Contreras. I think Sean Murphy, I mean, he's the obvious choice. And if you go, well, I guess at some point, I just need to repost all of my articles on my, my personal blog, which you can find on my Twitter, at Uh So you can see all of my old draft pieces when I was writing 150 draft capsules a year. But I had Murphy higher than Logan Ice. And I was pointing to the data. I'm like, the Guardians actually paid Logan Ice $100,000 more than Sean Murphy. Ugh, that was uh that was uh an unfortunate situation uh but the thing with murphy is he's just going to be astronomical in terms of cost so it's like contreras is a rental um he makes more sense austin nola shouldn't be quite as expensive as a rental because he's at health issues um and it's a shorter track record and he's older so it's i mean it's catching but there's not a lot of it in baseball to begin with it is such a hard thing to find and develop you, I mean, I can just go back. You can look at some of the top catching prospects in baseball over the past few years. It's like I don't even know if Chan is in a minor. Some were probably in the minors, but he was the number two catching prospect in baseball. It's it is a bust rate as high as pitchers. Uh, there's a lot of risk inherently involved, and we just have not seen. I mean, the Cleveland Guardians had uh, Bo Naylor take a massive step back a year ago, where he's not even to me one of their top ten prospects. So. A lot of it comes down to Lavastito or going out and trading for someone because the depth just honestly is not there for them right now. But getting back into this one, uh, you know, the McKenzie and Morgan were great. Nick Sandlin, not ideal, giving up two runs in his one inning. Uh, Class A, it was nice after his early struggles to see one inning, one hit, two strikeouts, him get back to where he has been a little bit uh, more of a normal performance. So just the overall efficiency in this one, with 13 hits, 4 walks, and 2-hit batsmen, uh, they had 19 opportunities to get 7 runs. That's about average. Uh, since he had 7 hits and then two uh, no walks and 2 hits bat, so 3 runs on 9 opportunities is actually a little bit better. But the Guardians just dominated this one. Their pitching was better. Uh, Nick Lodolo, who has been... Famous since his high school days. He was a what a second round or a comp round pick of the Pirates who didn't sign, went to TCU. Kind of disappointed his first two years and then eventually played his way. It was a little bit of an overdraft by the Reds at the time. Uh, not the most auspicious. I believe this was his, his big league debut uh, for them. Uh, you know, Tyler Stevenson's been great. Naquin's been great in the early going, but he was great early last year. But after that, this Reds team, I mean, this is an ugly lineup. You get past Vado, and it is... You know, Artest Sakino had that great six weeks. Not much since then. Kyle Farmer. I mean, Mustakis looks toast. I mean, Drury's had so many opportunities. Fraley was one of their major pieces. But let's be honest, they traded away two years of Winker mostly for to cut money. Uh, Williamson, the pitcher, is a legit prospect, but they didn't get that much for Winker because they wanted to save money. Uh, the Reds are. It's going to be an ugly few years for them. And it, it, what's crazy to me, I guess to a degree, is. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, if you read any of the things I wrote, I mean, the Reds were really bad for a long time. They were picking consistently. It's like Hunter Green, Nicola Dolo. These are top five picks. Jonathan India, top five pick. Uh, they were up until, you know, the 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 COVID shortened season with extended, extended postseason where they barely made it in. I mean, they went all in on that year. Uh, and they did make the postseason that year, but they pretty mediocre last year it was like one year they they just i don't know their efficiency has always been kind of low now i love what they do in terms of pitching i think they built a real um, production machine for that but it's been an odd team and after you know having like two years of not being bottom five they look like they're going to be a bottom five team for like the next five years again it's it's really they're the opposite of the guardians where the Guardians are just trying to make it in every year. They're trying to never kind of tear it all down, always keep talent in place and slowly build up. Uh, That's not what Cincinnati is doing. Cincinnati seems to be taking this approach of go for it, take your shot, go for it, take your shot, and then just completely tear it down and be really bad and get high draft picks. But, you know, I think they would have had a point where they would have lost the ability to have a top 10 pick. Hunter Green was... Like I said, it's like green in India, and I feel like one of those uh, high picks was a complete bust, and I'm kind of blanking on it right now, but it's, I'm just, again, thankful for the Guardians' front office. It is a strong front office. They do a lot of things well, and we haven't had to go through quite the bottoming out in some of those just years of terribleness. If you're a Reds fan, you had two good years, and you had five years of crap before it, and you're looking like another five years of crap after it, and that's just... It's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, I, I went to Ohio State, born and raised in Ohio. I've got a lot of Cincinnati and Reds buddies. Uh, shout out to, to Aaron and Steve, if either of you guys listen to this show. Uh, but so I, I feel their pain. And I've always kind of liked the Reds' as a National League team. It was always natural growing up. Uh, yeah, Larkin and Sabo were fun players. But, yeah, it just – I, it's – I definitely have spent this last week appreciating where the guardians are like the ownership the talent things like that compared to Cincinnati they are arrows pointing in opposite directions who are our three stars in this one Owen Miller Jose Ramirez are obvious I think Tristan McKenzie is obvious as well I think those are the three obvious stars of the game I mean Eli Morgan is kind of that guy who comes in Morgan and Shaw but it's fun because like a year ago like straw or morgan like 99 percent of the games would have been one of the stars and in this one we're talking about them for fourth or fifth so that's just fantastic in general we're gonna break here uh, if you're listening to the podcast if you're watching it not so much but if you're listening we're gonna break here for another quick message from some sponsors that help keep this show going strong okay uh, as I said, if you're watching, hey, thank you uh, for being with me for the experiment. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, we've had two con- con- concurrent viewers and six total views. Now we're up to four concurrent viewers in a total of three minutes of watching. Uh, if you are tuning in, uh, feel free. Oh, six concurrent viewers. We're, we're jumping up. Two likes. Thank you uh, to people as I try something new and seemingly uh, with my nervousness, just I'm going to constantly be touching my nose. Uh, let's talk more about what's coming up when we're talking about the guardians looking ahead. There is no game tomorrow. Uh, I, I'm not going to do the full rundown in the last five minutes here of the show, uh, and how we normally do where we talk about, okay, let's look position by position. Let's talk about the San Francisco giants. Uh, they are coming to town. They are a team that won a ton of games last year and I can't help but feel like are very flawed. Now, they're very good, don't get me wrong, but very flawed. Uh, you know, Brandon Belt as a first baseman or an occasional DH. Darren Ruff is like a nice fine. Mike Yastrzemski is another one of those players who, I mean, at the end of that COVID season, he was an MVP candidate. He's kind of come back to earth. It just showed that small sample size. They went out and added Jacques Peterson. Uh, I'm now very thankful the Guardians did not add him because if Peterson's on this team, bit Quan is not. Like, let's be honest, uh, for all of the complaining myself and everyone else did, uh, them not adding talent is the reason that Quan is here. Uh, the Giants did call up Helio Ramos. I've never been quite as high on him as the field as a prospect. Uh, Steven, uh, Duggar is a guy I've been much higher than the field at, at points in time as a prospect. Uh, I never will understand why he was a sixth round pick. He was a guy. Okay. So diatribe, uh, he had like first round buzz at the start of the year and he started out just dog poop. And then, but if you watch him, it's like, as he got into the season, I believe he was at Clemson. So it was ACC, not SEC, but still ACC baseball is really good. All the concerns like, okay, he swings and misses too much. He doesn't walk at all. There's not enough power. Like he started to do everything correctly. And over the last few months, like he played better and better. And for whatever reason, it was like, no one else's, I don't, I never understood it. You know, I, i'm trying to remember if that's the same year like i got very excited about jb woodman and completely uh whiffed there i'm not perfect but like wilson who used to be at um baseball prospectus uh was like that's your guy right i was like yeah because who was wilson's guy who was the catcher he really liked at a Cal that i'm blanking on <sighs> man well it's it's not going to come to me but I, i've liked dugger for a while um and for a six round pick to make it to big leagues and play as much as he has, that's a solid pick. Uh, you know, Joey Bart is kind of down a bit. I think, you know, we talked about he's for a guy that some people were saying should have been the top player in his draft class, it's like, yeah. I mean I I, I said let's pull back a little. I still think he's gonna be an above average starter. But that's the thing, like you look at this Giants team. There's not a lot of holes, but there's also not, they don't have a Jose Ramirez, right? They don't have that player that you really feel like is going to be an MVP candidate. They're solid. And then, you know, Therio Estrada is, we talked about this, and I was like, uh, can I offer you a slightly used Ahmed Rosario? So, you know, again, I'm going to say, you know, I I use the Twitter interactions. You know, I was talking with, uh, interacting with Gage, who's a great follow, uh, Gage EHC, I believe just about, like, Rosario, and it's interesting because I'm totally fine keeping Rosario, but I also understand the way this organization thinks, and I think a shortstop has slightly more value than, uh, you know, I mean, they traded Cesar a year ago, right? Basically in a similar situation, and they like Pilkington enough to go do that deal. I feel like if there's a deal to be had, it still makes sense. And, you know, for this team here, starting Wilmer Flores at third and they are Estrada at second, uh, you know, it's not not the best situation for them they called up Ramos Uh, a lot of their other big prospects are pretty far away I don't know where help is going to come anytime soon I mean they're kind of hoping you know the Evan Longoria Tommy La Stella Lamont Wade Jr those guys who've been on the disabled list are pretty big losses for them as a team and it's advantageous the Guardians are facing them early and I mean their bullpen is also kind of question marky to me like Jake McGee now, it's interesting to see him finding a home with Brian Shaw finding a home because, you know, those are both of the guys who got the giant deals from Colorado and then stunk up the joint. And I believe both got cut before finding success in other places. But it is a a bit of a cringy bullpen right now. I mean, Dominic Leone, former Guardians grade, is there. Uh, they're, you know, they're a little bit beat up. They've got some issues, but the bullpen isn't super strong. The rotation, you know, Logan Webb was great a year ago. I love their addition of Carlos Rondon. Anthony DiScalfini was really strong for them, as was Alex Wood. Alex Cobb was throwing big heat at the so far at the start of the year. But listen, the Giants are an interesting team, but I can't help but look at this roster and feel like it's a little bit smoke and mirrors. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Am I wrong? Am I being too judgmental? Is this a team that's more than the sum of its parts? It won. They won a ton of games last year. They won an absolute ton of games, and I look at them and I'm like, "Huh. You know how much was like you know, Brandon Crawford having a career year at 34, uh, things like that. It's it's a team that I can't help you know it, losing Buster Posey, losing Gossman for Rondon is um, could be potentially an even even deal. Uh, that's but how much was Buster Posey an important part of this team uh, in just a, like that middle of the order bat? And they've you know it belts 34. Ruff is thirty five. Crawford's thirty five. They're also an older team, and they just they have not drafted and developed well until the you know really the recent organization I feel like has. But um, I'm blanking on uh, Farhan, right? But before that, it it was it was pretty ugly there in terms of the development. So I am consciously optimistic. We haven't really done the sit down and compare um, player by player, which we will do on tomorrow's show. But I feel like the Guardians should be favored in this series, especially with it being their home opener. So that is something to look forward to for tomorrow. Get the in-depth rundown on why I think it is that the Guardians might—I know it. I guess I'm just hedging my bets because it seems ridiculous to make that statement with as good as the Giants were a year ago. But this Guardians team right now looks very different than I think how most of us expected them to be. Like I thought Steve Kwan would be. You know, at best, a 110 runs great at plus. Like, I thought he'd be maybe a derivation above average. Uh, He's just showing things that make you think that, you know, very smart people writing things I don't understand that are like, he's even better with the skills he has than we thought. Like, he's not going to be an MVP talent. He's never going to hit for power. But again, my comp is Brian Roberts from those years with the Baltimore Orioles, even the same size. And, you know, the bigger lesson through all of this, I think, is as we're sitting here looking at this Guardians team, is the Guardian should only sign five foot nine inch hitters, and that's 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 my deep analysis here. That is my hot take. Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, five foot nine hitters are the way to go. Uh, no more anything else. I'll uh, I'll go through my draft ranking soon and make it entirely based on which hitters are five foot nine, and we can go from there. I've been Jeff Ellis has been locked on Guardians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps the show grow. We'll have occasional streams as I figure things out. This was just something. Different and new, I want to thank the three likes that occurred, uh, seven concurrent views. No comments today, but eventually, you know, maybe we can build that up and do an active chat as well. Uh, Again, Lockdown Guardians fans, you have been fantastic. I am very lucky. Uh, I talked to other hosts, just how generally kind and uh, not jerky, all of you uh, ladies and gents are. So thank you. And uh, as I end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.